Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mini PC Show, Big Talk Little Machines. My name is George Dork, Geek, owner, operator of this network, and I first and foremost want to say thanks, everybody, for their support. Thanks to them. This is, uh, as of right now, a completely ad-free network, and the goal is to be ad-free for the rest of all time. Uh, thanks to Patreoners. Uh, we have two new Patreoners. I believe both of them are new before this show, uh, Bill M. and Jim C., Thank you guys both for the support. Uh, anybody who wants to support this show, it's super easy. Just go to patreon.com slash the mini PC show and you can uh, show your support. I don't believe we have any new emails to the show. Um, I will give a quick down and dirty update on the pine phone. Um, what I now have it is dual booting uh, from internal. It's booting off of Ubuntu touch and on the SD card, it's booting to Mobian, which is a Debian based distribution running the um um expensive posh uh phone um desktop. yo 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 hey you're late man um and i'll say um it's a really nice interface really smooth interface i do wish that i had the newer version of the pine phone with that one if you hold down the right button combinations you can select what boot device you're booting to i do not believe i have that option i kind of i really do wish i did i wish i could interactively switch between operating systems without having to pop the back off and either add or remove the micro sd card um it is not a perfect ecosystem it is not a perfect experience but i was generally blissfully shocked that with both of them i could connect a bluetooth keyboard literally drop to a command line do a pseudo apt get update upgrade dis upgrade auto clean auto remove and have everything actually work uh without breaking in place um there are some things that need to be polished around the edge a lot of things i do actually plan on taking my sim card out of my main phone and put it in in a pine phone for at least a week just to hear the call quality see if it can actually you know compete with a in air quotes normal phone how how are you doing rich good good i i you kept saying you're going to be late going to be late i didn't realize i was going to be late all right uh how was your week so far uh well all all sorts of good stuff um i may be doing a comma ai test drive very cool uh yeah comma ai is the uh geo hots george hots uh automated system that he believes is going to leave Mercedes-Benz, Volvo, BMW, and Tesla all in the dust. Well, I, I, so good for him. Um, that's, I think, quite overconfident. When you have systems that are highly integrated into the vehicles with multi-cams, uh, him using one dash cam isn't going to do it. Uh, he's going to need to go multi-cam. He's so already proven next it. Version. He was able to drive in Las Vegas two years before anybody else could. Because, you know, in Las Vegas, there's no lines on the ends of the right. road and there's no dashes in the middle. Oh, yeah. So his his system has strengths that others do not. And, uh, yeah, there there are pluses and minuses between his system and, you know, Tesla Autopilot. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm just excited that basically for 1200 bucks I can add it to a vehicle and be having level two autonomy. Well, and that's the key. Tesla made a big mistake calling it autopilot. It's not autopilot. Correct. It's not you press a button and it drives for you. Um, Geohots, Kama AI is doing the right thing where they're insisting if they don't recognize you paying attention, they will completely disengage the the uh, system, which to be honest, in stage two, level two autonomy, that's how, in my opinion, it should be. Yeah, I, I, he's so they're monitoring you. What they're doing is they're uh, doing facial sensing. They're looking at your eyes in the direction that your eyes are pointing. 
they have infrared LEDs and a front-facing camera, so it, it can see you day-night and see if you're looking out the window paying attention to the road. Yeah, and I'm perfectly okay with that, because that to me is like one of the luxuries, liberties you should be willing to give up in order to have this level of administration assistance in your driving. Um, To me, like I remember like Chromebooks and to me with Chromebooks, you always want to manage expectations. You don't want to tell somebody this is a miracle device that can do everything for you. Same thing with assisted driving, because that's really all it is, is assisted driving. Um, If people keep it real, keep it honest, keep it what it can and can't do, then I'm perfectly okay with it existing. Well, all right. So you got to realize two things, and and uh, everything you said, I completely agree with. Uh, you know, Tesla is a for-profit company. Autopilot is a catchy name, even though you know no marketing term ever does what it really says it does. And and I've probably said this a number of times. Any photo or video equipment that says professional on it is not. The professional equipment never says it's professional. It just is. Um, and you know. The, the other cool thing about the autopilot versus the comma AI is uh, autopilot, you have to have your hand on the wheel no matter what. But the comma AI, you don't have to touch the wheel. And if you steer the wheel, you know, like if you signal and then nudge the wheel, that's the command for lane change. Whereas if you start touching the wheel in the Tesla, it's like, whoop, you're driving, I'm out. So uh, the disengage, there's three disengages on the comma AI. It's like you hit gas, brake, or if you disengage the cruise control. Yeah, and and I what I like the fact is their system is basically compatible. I don't want to say with a wide range of vehicles because that's a little bit misleading. Uh, as of twenty late 2018, it was I want to say 20% of vehicles produced that year. 2019, they were expecting it to be 30, and by 2020, they were expecting it to be close to 50% of vehicles made. So pretty much the baseline, and, and you can go to their site and you can do a search to figure out, hey, does my car work with this? And basically, you're going to have to have, um, why, why am I losing the term? It's the, the cruise control. The uh, It's basically radar-assisted cruise control, um, so it does the following distance, etc. So it has to have that capability to be able to do the braking and the ability to do steering. And if you have that, basically the comma AI, it's basically a cell phone and it integrates into the CAN bus on your car and then it'll, you know, spoof the controls and the commands and make it auto drive. Yeah, his first rev was literally just an Android phone. His second rev was a modified Android phone. And I do believe the current rev is basically a custom Android phone is the way that I put it. Um, and because realistically, the power that's in our pockets is extremely abused with very incompetently written apps and ecosystems that like kill RAM, like destroy RAM. Um, the old Motorola um, um, phone I had that had the first dedicated chip to where I could customize the commands to it. Um, that proved to me that if you optimize whatever is running on almost any piece of hardware, you can get some pretty magnificent results out of it. And no doubt a guy who can hack iPhones, Playstations, and do the hacking that George Holtz has been able to do in the past. There's little doubt in my mind that if he puts his mind towards stuff, he can optimize the software on almost any hardware to dance circles around all competition. 
so yeah, it's it's pretty exciting to me. I I just hope uh, I get so this new car is going to be for my wife, and I hope that I'll get spousal approval that she's not going to flip out when there's basically a cell phone mounted on the front windshield. No, no, you have to pitch it that it's for her protection. So when somebody cuts her off, it will be recorded. <laughs> uh, good point. Good point. Um, except for that, it's been kind of hit and miss in the realm of mini computer news here since we last went on. Um, I will say that we've seen a couple reviews from a couple big names for a couple pieces of hardware that look fine is what I'll say. Um, there's lots of little news with lots of little handheld game systems. Again, for those new to the show, everything that passes by my radar will be in the notes. We're not going to talk about everything in the notes because I want to say it's around 40 links long. And that's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, the one that did catch my eye, though, I don't know if you called it, um, um, Rich. It's um, 183 in the notes, and it's actually like three or four links in the notes linking to this one device. It's called the GMK Nuckbox, which I'll say they got the name right. You know, for name recognition, Nuckbox can easily be confused for an Intel Nuck, which I'm sure that's what they were going for. Um, and uh, ETA Prime is the guy that I trust in um giving his personal opinion about how solid of a device is all around explaining computers can tell me about the numbers and the specs kind of thing eta prime can tell me about the horsepower behind it kind of thing um and he got one of the pre beta boxes basically where he basically had to inform them that the heat sink wasn't correctly touching the processor and once he fixed that by just putting a little pad between the processor and the heat sink it this device started running 10 times better the long and the short of it is the longtime listener to the show might remember i had a israel based mini cube arm computer that was really tiny uh um solid um was the name of the company this one is a touch bigger every dimension, uh, but it's an Intel-based box. Uh, the alternative, it was the Chewy Lark box. That's what I was trying to remember. Chewy Lark box is the exact same form factor, ba- basically, but one generation older rev of the Intel processor, which is not like an i5 or an i7. It's uh, a um, Atom-based, basically processor um and he was announcing this eta prime was gently shocked at once he fixed the heating issue it stopped um throttling throttling. yeah yeah when he was playing like legit games and he was basically impressed with it uh the 4k he said wasn't he thought up to complete snuff but he was still shocked at how good the performance is eight gigs of ram Eight gigs of RAM, built-in 128 gigs of storage on the box. Uh, then you can add e- e- extra storage if you want. I want to say it started out, the low price was around 219 Yeah, I'm scrolling through looking. Uh, I'm sorry, for pre-order, starts at $179. Uh, then after that, the starting price is 209 And I'm not going to lie, if I had the necessity to run Windows in my ecosystem and I wanted a super compact form factor, this might be it. And the real reason why isn't because it's small and because of this, because right. the because the brick that comes with it is just as small. All right. So the, the power brick is so the power brick ball ward is something like my routers are that size. Some of your cell phones. They have a picture in here and they have a Logitech mouse, you know, a little bit of a curvy mouse. The mouse is bigger than this. Maybe it's not wider. It might be narrower, but the mouse is bigger than this unit. This is kind of cool. 
Yeah, I will say with with my uh, experience with my Cube ARM based computer, the cables are all coming out one side, which means when you plug them up, the box will never sit flat. It will always sit at an angle, <laughs> which, you know, is okay. Um, I do like the fact that it has two USB type A ports um, built into it, and it actually has a 3.5 jack where if you want to literally hardwire into it with a pair of headphones that you can. Um, it does have a fan on it. I would be shocked if you would be able to even hear the fan. Nobody I saw reviewing this mentioned anything about noise. Um, so I'll just say it like this. I want a lot of people to buy this device so the I price might get can in come down. Wow, that is very cool. That is so. Are they all eight gig? Because I haven't seen the only thing it talks about in the differences is the uh, uh, amount of storage on board, not the RAM. Yeah, I'm ninety percent sure they all have eight gigs of RAM, and this is a Gemini Lake processor. That's what I'm. I always have a hard time remembering now what the generations are mm -hmm. called. This one is a Gemini Lake for one hundred seventy nine dollars. I think I would drop that just for the heck of it. Yeah, and. You know, I'm not going to say with eight gigs of RAM, you'll be able to do everything you want to do because I'm not foolish, but you could do a heck of a lot with eight gigs of RAM still in Windows. Even I mean, I'm not even talking mm -hmm. about Linux. You just install Windows and I'm pretty sure you could get I don't want to say everything done, but I'm pretty sure you could get a lot of things done with just a touch of patience. You wouldn't have to sit around long waiting for things. This is definitely you could Velcro to the back of your monitor in uh have a computer yeah i think that's very cool um and i'll give there's another quick update on the pine book pro um after i did the finagling with the um default um arch manjaro install um it has now been running epically perfectly fine literally i don't want to say like the best distribution i've ever seen in my life but shockingly shockingly good um the Debian uh, distribution I've been using as well in the SD card because the Manjaro is easy to use and really good looking, but the Debian supports the USB-C external hub so I can have it on my big monitor when I'm down here in podcast. Now, to just to jump back really quick to the Pine phone, I'm now trying to find USB-C hubs with video output that have drivers that are already in the Linux kernel. Um, I've been successful in the past to find um, webcams with all of the drivers in the kernel. I've been successful when I look for um, HDMI capture cards where everything is already in the kernel. I've been successful when I look for USB audio interfaces when everything's already in the kernel. I don't have to worry about none of that. But I'm having a hard time finding USB-C hubs with video outputs that are in the kernel. And I don't know what I'm missing yet, but I know I'm missing something. Uh, and I will say one of the distributions I wanted to take a look at just because I want to take a closer look at it was the post market OS uh, post market OS. I first saw was available for the pine phone, but I also now see it's available for the pine book pro. So I literally am going to try to sit down, install it to an SD card and boot to it and see just, you know, what it looks like, how it acts, how it's different, what's different about it uh, and see if it's just the kind of thing that can be usable as like a daily driver. Yeah, and I'll say uh, line 181 was another one that I looked at, but I knew instantly when I saw it, this is the kind of thing no way door-to-door -door geek's going to be able to get like real soon is the way that I'll put it. And only because it said Intel Comet 
Lake processor, which I haven't even heard of that one yet. So I'm going to guess that's a newer processor. Um, it's the AS Rock's new desk mini PCs support AMD, Renor, or Intel Comic Lake chips. Um, these look like they're trying to be ultra compact desktops, uh, but are geared more towards gaming, where it's literally like um, uh, 10th generation Intel processors um, running, you know, like max 64 gigs of RAM kind of thing. Um, but I'll say they look really attractive. Uh, I would say they're bigger than micro ATX, but not by much. Hmm. Now I'm looking at, it's funny, the case, I don't know if they're going for the look, but it looks like it's 3D printed. Do you think they're going for a 3D printed look or they're 3D printed? I would hope they wouldn't be going for the 3D printed look because that to me is a cheap look. But you're right. right. There's some kind of styling going on that I just don't get. It could just be the way the photograph looks. It, it could be black painted brushed aluminum, but I don't think it is. Yeah, it could be just bad lighting and bad or just bad design um where's the price on this i know good point i'm afraid to look at it because i'm afraid that if we dig deeper the price is going to be like six to eight hundred dollars starting out yeah um and i will say um in the realm of mini computers i keep wanting to do more things um i have my raspberry pi running um the black hawk uh, operating system it's fine i have my rock 64 running my next cloud hiccups once in a while when there's a power outage. I just got to manually reboot it. I have my Raspberry Pi 3 running my Octoprint server. When I print, it runs fine. Um, but I did see a couple things, Rich, which might uh, be at least a mildly interest to you. Uh, there was two things out there. I don't think either one of them are in the notes, to be honest. One of them was called Ace. The other one was called Ice. And what they were was, applications you install on top of a web server then anywhere in your network or if you can make this publicly addressable behind a password system it is basically a ide an advanced notepad if you will all in the browser um which i really like the idea of being able to have one system in my house that i rely on being backed up being secured being you know um, easily restorable where I'm r literally running all of my code manipulation tools in one thing where I don't have to worry about what device I'm on as long as I can access that I, um, I, um, I, uh, P address. So how is this different than Nextcloud and all of the plugins you'd get? Well, it, all it was, uh, one was called ice. One was called ACE. They're IDEs. They're, they're development environments like visual studio oh, or, okay. Like um, Sublime Text or yes, something like yeah, that. Yes, something like that, but completely web-based, completely self-hostable. The oh, bad thing was... Oh, okay. Or you, you self-host, that's the big deal. Right. The The bad thing is you literally had to have like a web server up and running, and you place it on top of Nginx or Apache. Are you telling me people don't have web servers up and running? Well, I'm trying to say some people don't want to go through, in air quotes, the hassle of setting one up. Um, I don't mind i mean i i was literally going to try to put it on my nano neo for giggles and just see if it would work because i keep thinking how heavy can an ide be it's not graphics intensive stuff i'm doing you know um i don't know maybe i'm crazy okay i i'm definitely going to check that out because i use uh sublime text all the time so realistically 
uh, we're, we're talking Chromebook. The, the Chromebook is, you know, 99% of the driving I do is with a Chromebook. The only thing I don't do is really code with a Chromebook or edit videos. And since SSHing from the browser is pretty easy now, I do that from the Chromebook also. Yeah, I will say I'm becoming better at SSHing. And I know, I don't think that makes going to make much sense to anybody, but I will say this. In the past, I've been extremely lazy about however I'm getting something from one to the other. It was always turn on Samba, turn on SMB, and just open it up. I don't care. Because I'm on, I'm on my network. I trust my own network. Um, what I didn't realize, and I know somebody told me this years ago, but I didn't realize was SSH is the same thing as SFTP. Right. It's just one is like act actively bi-directional the other is act like ftp but it's the exact same protocol it's the ex exact same standard and there's sftp gui stuff which actually right. i don't use for the most part well and there is sshfs where you can literally mount an ssh volume like a remote file system just like samba and i've done very little of that i usually use nfs yeah that's the one that honestly all, all the nerds use but i'm perfectly okay with using ssh Dude, that's the second time today you've mentioned me and nerds. Well, the first time was test disk. And most of the people I say test disk to, once they look at the screenshots, they run away screaming. No, you know what? It's not the screenshot. It's just the process that, that makes me want to run away screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and that's the problem about test disk. It's not quick. It takes it was, a good amount of time. Well, if it was a little more intuitive, and uh, maybe said, please wait, we're, you know, blah, 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 through the process. I will say there used to be a great walkthrough they had on their website, but the last time I looked, they changed it up a lot. Um, here's one link I had to bring up just because, it, to, I, I hate to sound old, but this is the kind of thing that makes me sound like Arsenio Hall back in the day. And it makes you say, hmm, like, hmm, what the hell are they thinking? This is supposed to be a corporation that's in favor of other corporations, line uh, 171 in the notes. Uh, and it, canonical enterprise business people, most of the time, enterprise business people don't tell you how to block ads. You know what I mean? Ublock Origin isn't made by HP. You know what I mean? Um, uh, Adblock Plus isn't made by Dell. You know what I mean? So it's confusing when I see a link in the notes and it's to canonical showing you how to run AdGuard Home Ubuntu Appliance. I'm like, uh -oh. what? What? These guys are like wanting to be in your network. Now, of course, my logic immediately goes to, well, it's obvious. They want to then say, okay, now you big ad makers, if you want your ads to be whitelisted on our system, give me a little money. You know, my pie hole went down. So I'm like, huh, this could be cool. Well, I will say in my past, I've had pie hole now running off and on for about a year. I only have two computers using it. A oh, no, I, I pie hole my whole network. I can't because a couple times when it goes boom, it goes like nuclear. Okay, so what you do is uh, your router doesn't have two DNS entries? Yes. So I put the primary entry for the pie hole and the secondary entry for something else. I want only one DNS. That That's my problem. Okay. Oh, well, it's not your only problem. Just you... Well, yeah one of the great number of problems. So yeah, I saw this and I thought this was damn interesting. Now, it isn't that I don't think Piehole is good. Honestly, it could be I'm using it from Diet Pie and maybe I shouldn't. And the example I'll use is while I love everything about Diet Pie, 
To me, it's a developer sandbox paradise. I'm going to say it kind of again. And if somebody from Diet Pie hears this and they're upset, I'm sorry. I'm not convinced Diet Pie is production ready code. It's play ready code. You can boot it up, load anything you want and play with it all day long, but I'm not sure it's ready for production. Maybe if I loaded Piehole from a different source, it would be more stable, more solid. Okay, so I, I've, as as big a fan, if anybody listens to this show, they know I love Diet Pie. Um, it, and for me, Diet Pie is, you know, Hughes Compound Southern Command Enterprise ready, which means, yes, I'm a geek and I can figure crap out when it isn't right. Um, the a pie hole I've always loaded on a pie hole distro. I have never done it from Diet Pie. And just my philosophy is if something is supposed to be single use, do it in the simplest way possible. Oh, simple's good. Don't get me wrong. Um, you see, like the only thing that like, I, don't, I don't want to say worries me, I look at this step by step, which is honestly good web coding. This is a really good web coded thing to go through the canonical Ubuntu setup for this, how to put up AdGuard. And you have to create a Ubuntu SSO account, which me, I'm great at making throwaway accounts. You know what I'm saying? Um, I will say, quick tangent, if you're not aware, um, Firefox has a thing now built into the browser that it will ask you if you want to use called Firefox Send. And what Firefox Send is, you set it up, uh, you go to a thing, it says create an account, Firefox Send will say, will put its hand up once, and if you say, don't bother me again, it never will, but it will say, hey, do you want me to create a fake account for this so you don't have to be bothered by it? And you say, why, yes. And then you put, give that that fake account, and then Firefox will notify you when that account has an email in it kind of thing. So you can literally say, I want to use this just for this account and never worry about it again. Um, some people might like that. Some people might not like handing over the keys to that account's kingdom over to Firefox, but it should be for throwaway accounts. I'll, I'll say that. I think it's a good idea if you use it wisely. Yeah, there's uh, Firefox Send and Firefox Monitor. Chrome is just getting ready to start to push this feature out where they're going to start to tell you if the password, the account you're using is in Have I Been Pwned uh, database. Uh, Firefox has been doing this now for a couple of weeks. It's called Firefox Monitor uh, because the guy behind Have I Been Pwned relinquished all of his source code, rel relinquished all of his data and made it open source. So if you want to be a little bit more proactive about your security, about your usernames, about your passwords, you should check out Firefox Monitor. And if you're using Chrome, it's going to be one of those baked in features. Sorry, sorry for the tangent. No, cool stuff. I mean, look, it's tech show. Yeah, and I will say I am tempted to put this ad guard just on like a VM just to poke, poke, poke at it. See, you know, what it looks, how it acts, how it reacts. Um, Just because I, I am a big fan of competition. I'm not sure this is the competition that we want, desire, or crave, but, you know, competition. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I got to apologize to John Hollinger, who actually has been to the Hughes Compound Southern Command. Uh, I am. He said he's going to watch live tonight, which I see him in the uh, YouTube chat. But uh, I don't have a camera set up running tonight. Well, first off, I'm jealous that he's been there because I haven't. Um, I still do think we are going to uh, Disney the week of Thanksgiving. I don't think. I don't really? think. I'm pretty sure. Baby Jeebus himself could like come and speak to my wife, and I'm pretty sure she's not going to care. She's still going to want to go. Um, 
So I'm pretty sure it's going to still happen. Um, line 172 in the notes. Um, I had to bring this only because, um, really quick, again, tangent, sorry. I love the fact that on one of my podcasts, we talked about Firewalla. It had to be a year ago. Um, and it's because one of the guests, one of the hosts of uh, Android AppX bought a Firewalla. It's a service that you pay... Um, I want to say it was three hundred dollars to pay for the service, um, and that got you like three years worth of service. Blah 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 blah. Ad blocking, uh, network monitoring. It would notify you when a new device came on your network. It would block all the ads. It did some pretty cool features. But then when I, as soon as I saw the device, I noticed the port structure is what I'm going to say, and I noticed the case was in play, and it literally was just a NanoPi Neo in a case, literally, and I, the guy was mad when I showed him. It's a $10 computer inside of your device doing this, um, but I told him, I said, look, you're not paying for the hardware. You're paying for the device, the support, the ecosystem, the atmosphere, all the things that went around with that, and then uh, when I tried to set up that operating system on my own hardware, I realized there's a step in the process where you got to turn the case over and read the barcode off the back, which then validates you with their company that you paid up on your subscription. So I couldn't, you know, get it for free kind of thing. Um, so I am a fan of the Nano Pi devices. They're not Orange Pi devices. They will not catch your house on fire. They might get a little bit warm. I'm not going to lie. I got this heat sink, which is literally almost the size of the ethernet thing and i'm not sure it does heat up a little bit i will say that uh when i run even mildly intensive things but this is a, a newer device nanopi neo 3 and the nanopi r2s gateway they explicitly call this a gateway part one unboxing and tear down um let's put it like this you give me dual nicks on a single small device like this, I know I can find a good use for it. Just for monitoring my network, just for knowing what's going on. What is my family doing? Can I lower somebody's uh, a priority and raise my priority kind of thing? Um, these are two ultra small form factor devices. One looks slightly smaller than a credit card and the other one looks slightly smaller than that. Um, the prices, I swear they told me prices on this. Towards the bottom. 27 up and $25 up from Friendly Intellect. Now, devil's advocate. I like trying to disclose where stuff is coming from. Some people hate China. Some people hate Japan. Some people hate Canada. Some people hate Germany. Some people hate Egypt. Whatever. Hate whatever you want to hate. But I'll let you know, these come directly from South Korea. Friendly Elect is a, a company I've bought more than a couple of things from. Um, you can buy them sometimes at places like Ameridroid here in North America, and you pay typically two or three bucks more. But if you go to Friendly Elect and buy it, you typically pay 10 to $20 in shipping. Okay. So the one question I had is what software do you have to run? And so it says OpenWRT, which is cool. Now the question is, how much of that Firewalla uh, functionality is in OpenWRT, or can you add it in? Um, well, there's certain things that you're not going to get. Firewalla also had a built uh, had apps you could download for Android or for iOS that gave you a really, really polished um, administration platform on it that I haven't seen available in like any 
of these kinds of things before. Um, I'm trying to look, I'm going now through the friendly elect website, looking at their download choices. Oh, technical documentation. We don't want technical documentation. We want operating systems. Yeah, I will say some of them have a fair number of distributions. It's one of those old things, which came first, the chicken or the egg, with brand new um, op- brand new hardware. Typically, the operating system choices you have are extremely limited. Yeah, it uh, looks like for the one Neo3 f- friendly WRT seems to be like their main one that they're pushing. It doesn't mean nothing else will be available on it, but that's the one that they're pushing. Uh, with that one, I'll just put it like this. You're going to have to log in with like a full desktop browser to get an interface that is usable. Uh, the Firewalla, the, one of the other things it enabled you to do was it enabled you to um, add friends and share files out. You could literally like pipe, wow. pipe it and say, I want to share this media file with this email address. And, and it gave them a gateway to come pick up the files from. Okay, so I am looking at one of these on AliExpress, uh, NanoPi R2S, uh, metal shell with cooling fan, $25.99. Yeah, and and I do think you kind of like hit the nail on the head. The question is going to be is what kind of software ecosystems are going to grow around this? Because if it's just the open WRT or WRT type atmosphere, um, I've used them in the past. They're fine. They're fine for what they are. I'm not going to, I don't want to insult them, but they're nowhere close to being like full featured operating systems. Um, yeah, it looks like both of them basically just have friendly core and friendly WRT. Uh, there is one, this one, this, this R2S does have some sort of Docker, uh, integration with it, which should be at least a little bit more flexible. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, door. Should I click buy now? I'm never going to say no. Click buy now. See what the shipping is. Oh, it said free shipping. Oh, well, that's great. That's a good price. Twenty-five bucks, twenty-five ninety-nine. That's a good price. Oh gosh, I just remembered. John Hollinger asked me something over the weekend. I told him I'd get back to him, and I didn't. Well, I have good news for you. Oh, what's the good news? I tell my kids all the time: perfection is unobtain- unobtainable, and to expect perfection out of anybody else is foolhardy. Yeah, he he was asking some Pi Four questions. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I'm not, and this is one of those things, Rich, we talked about more than a couple of these kinds of hardware devices in the past where I look at it, I think it's cool. It's innovative. It's different. Somebody out there really could find a good use case for it. I'm not sure I'm the guy, okay? Uh, But I still love the idea is the way that I'll put it. Line 174 in the notes. Um, I clicked colored e-ink displays one too many times to where now everywhere I go, I'm getting all the latest color e-reader or e-ink things that are coming out. Um, And I will say a couple of the color e-ink readers that I'm seeing are surprisingly colorful. I'll say that. Um, Literally all of them run a version of Android on the back end. Um, Some of them that cost more than $400 can do some video presentation with it um but if you just want to do like comics or uh, uh technical documentation that are are that are in color uh right now like the onyx book poke 2 is now available for 299 dollars um i am infatuated with the idea of getting a device and here's a real reason an e-ink colored e-ink device battery could 
last days. Days. It all depends on how much screen switching you do. Because with the e-ink displays, the only cost of electricity is to, is the initial changing of the display. Yeah, that that is pretty cool about that type of setup. Um, I guess the next question is quality. Well, this is the beginning stage. If you take a look at the link, you'll notice the colors are a little muted. Um, the text isn't incredibly crisp. How like with a Kindle Paperwhite and you're looking at letters, it really looks like a piece of paper and a typewriter put the letter on there kind of thing. This is not quite up to that definition and the colors don't genuinely pop like they should is the way that I'll put it. Um, for $299, I think it's a fantastic start. Again, I want many people to buy this device. So the technology moves forward and the price keeps coming down because I would love in two or three years, if I could hypothetically download all of the walking dead comics pirated, of course, onto a colored e-ink reader. And um, there was more than one application. I saw if you're holding it landscape or holding it portrait, there's one of the modes where you can literally click the panel and it zooms into the next panel, click the panel, zooms into the next panel. So intelligently maximizes the space. So you don't have to, you know, constantly move it around and resize it yourself and squint. So I thought that was pretty cool. I hate you, Dor. I love you too, Rich. I, I just found something I wanted on AliExpress. Oh, again. AliExpress is like Woot to me like four or five years ago. I couldn't go on Woot.com because yep. the yep. wife would say, why did you spend money? Now it's AliExpress. I can't go on AliExpress because I, I always stumble across something that looks really good. Yep. Okay, well, I'll distract you with 176 in the notes, a.k.a. you can ignore me when I talk about this. Um, Intel is suffering a lot of losses. Number one, a huge data breach. Huge data breach where gigabytes of their information leached out on the public net of their next 10 years of everything they're going to do, a.k.a. Every bit of competition now knows exactly where Intel planned to be for the next 10 years, so they know where to force their own business kind of thing. Um, ARM is killing them in number of chip sales, not as an individual company, but as a conglomeration, killing them in chip sales. Well, now the latest rumor is AMD may be developing hybrid chips similar to ARM's Big Dot Little and Intel's Four Rows design. Now, Big Dot Little chips, what they are is essentially they're like eight core chips with four big, four little cores. And the logic is the four big cores handle gaming efficiently, handle high-end graphics efficiently, handle 4K video efficiently. But then when you're not doing those kinds of tasks, the four little cores handle text really easily, handle basic 2D GUI stuff very easily kind of thing to maximize battery life. If AMD can all of a sudden shoot out on the market and become efficient and yet do good performance, whether it be on phones, whether it be on tablets or mini computers or laptops or whatever pocketable single board computers that are available, then I think we're about to grab the popcorn and we're going to like get a six pack of beer because it's going to become a party in here. You know, I, I think you're right about that. At first, I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, what are you talking about? Who cares about big, little, I'm thinking data center. Then I'm like, well, wait a second, laptops. Laptops, tablets. 
um, phones, appliances, um, stupid, cheap things. Because the whole thing is, if they get into the business, the price of the processor will plummet. Because now all of a sudden you have three, hopefully genuinely competitive choices on the market to where there's going to be fighting for money back and forth until it's going to become, you know, you'll be able to put a chip in anything and it will cost you a couple dollars. Yeah, I hate to say it, I'm on AliExpress and I clicked right through where it said, you have a $2 coupon and I didn't click on it and I don't have it anymore. Yeah, on uh, Banggood, I got a credit. On GearBest, they sent me a thing telling me I had a credit. And on AliExpress, they emailed me like two weeks ago, told me I had a credit. I said, no, I'm not going. Oh, my goodness, Rich. Um, Oh, my Lord. This was one thing I had to bring because I'm pretty sure this was almost exactly what you predicted. Line 183 in the notes. Okay. <laughs> this was almost funny. Um, at Little Putin, AXP portable thread ripper workstation pc that cost eight thousand dollars and weighs 23 pounds this oh my god it's crazy you remember like 1984 where the guy that had the sewing machine sized uh luggable and you thought he was cool dude i can tell you my very first task as a contractual government employee because i started out a temp then i became contractual my very first task was i had to empty these pallets and the very first thing i pulled off the pallet was a 150 pound suitcase that when i figured it out i opened it up it was a laptop and i thought <laughs> this ain't a laptop this is a portable computer but not a laptop where the screen was all of maybe like six inches maybe seven oh, inches geez. all right and if i knew then what I know now, I would have stolen it and brought it home because it's a piece of history. Yeah, yeah, I, I had a couple of things that I kind of got gifted and then tossed. But I mean, that I kind of wish I had. But I mean, I'll ask you because I asked myself this question and I cannot come up with a good answer. Who in the hell needs a portable $8,000 thread ripping computer? I, I think if you gold plate it, there, there's somebody that likes the bouge factor of it. If you just style it enough, if you get Resurrect Steve Jobs to style it enough, there's going to be people standing online for the release. Oh, because this thing has no style. This thing looks like no. sharp, squared edges that would be in some kind of really bad Hollywood movie is what I picture this. I, I think what they did is, you ever see uh, the cheese cutters that are like a wire uh, that's just between like a metal arc? I think they took a block of cheese and used one of those cheese cutters, and they're like, that's the design. I like cheese. <laughs> but I mean, literally, $8,000 for that price, you get a luggable computer with 24 core AMD Threadripper 30, 3960X processor with NVIDIA GeForce RTX 2060 Super Graphics with 32 gigs of RAM, 250 gigs of solid state storage. The price can climb well above twenty thousand dollars. I mean, does it does it hook onto like a rideable lawnmower with a generator on a trailer? You would so think, you can bring it around with you. You would think it would be attached to like a Segway or something. <laughs> but I mean, and I seriously think about it. Who in the hell needs this kind of computing power? And I don't know anybody doing any kind of game development, any kind of infrastructure design, doing any kind of 
testing any kind of anything that could ever need such a thing unless they literally want a true portable office that today they can be in Monaco, tomorrow they can be in Italy, and the next day they can be in Beijing. I mean, I don't know. Well, but again, that's your so the philosophy of use of this is you're doing some very highly specialized GPU type stuff where it's way beyond what you would use a regular laptop for. So I that is kind of interesting. It, it is who is like now if you're modeling, you know, nuclear explosions, yeah, that that's a great product. That is fantastic. Um, but if you're 3D rendering something, that's way the heck overkill. Well, and if you're doing like movie type CGI, this isn't close to enough. So that's why I, I like, I'm confused who in the hell would need this kind of thing. Unless you're the mental invalid gamer who believes this device is going to put you over the edge and make you the e-port, the e-sports superstar. I don't know. Mm. Now, I, I actually beat up BW Electronic, uh, beat me to the punch. Prior to marriage, the most expensive car I've owned was $6,000. And that was a Porsche. <laughs> yeah, um, me, no. I'm kind of cheap for that. Um, line 183 in the notes was something I had to bring, only because I do believe the last episode I did bring one of the Node products online. And Node is one of those guys... To me, personally, I fall in and out of uh, favor with what he produces. Sometimes I look at his stuff and I think it's awesome. Sometimes I look at his stuff and I'm thinking, that's stupid as hell. Why would you do that? This one I think is cool. It is a Node Mini Server version 3. Takes advantage of the Raspberry Pi 4. Now, there's a, a, a couple-minute video. It's not long at all. But the main point of his project is to take the Raspberry Pi 4, number one, make an ecosystem for it that is stackable, that is clusterable, that also has all the ports on only one side of the device, which I will say, I kind of don't like the fact that there's plugs and stuff coming everywhere out of most of my single board computers. I'm not going to say what they're doing is right. I'm not going to say I'm wrong, but I will say I like the idea of taking it and adding just enough to it so it is more... I don't want to say symmetrical because it's not symmetrical, having everything on one side of the device. And it, and he was able to do it for a, a very fair price is what I'll say. So I do enjoy his videos and you can, you know, his style because I, I don't know if it was the last time we did a show, we talked about another product of his, which was a Pi Zero. He had like that Pi Zero case set up. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was and it was cool, but I can't remember what it was. So I guess it wasn't that cool. You know, it was an interesting exercise. This is very interesting also. Um, you know, I don't, I don't... All of my Pi devices, single board computers, are remote. So it's not like I have have to put a case on them and have them good looking for people. I I do have that fan setup, that dual fan setup on, uh, let's see, the Rock uh, 64. And uh, it's a good fan setup. Yeah, my, my Rock 64, the heat is kind of manageable. I do like how he does add NVMe to this device. Uh, I am a firm believer. Um, believe what you will, think what you want. Spinning disk was, it took a while for SSDs to really be competitive with them with price, with size. Um, from everything I can see, 
NVMe is going to destroy everything in price per gigabyte and performance um, in no time. Uh, the prices for NVMe is dropping so fast, so hard. If you don't support NVMe, consumers are going to look at you like, what's wrong with you? You know, it is, I think I'll say it's going to be a storage media that lasts a really long time. Not that it's not going to take wear and tear, but it's going to be available for sale at a really good price for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> so are there any other uh, mini PC or tech topics wanted to go over? No, I think you uh, had a really good cast of characters tonight. I, I greatly appreciate that. And I just want to say hi to the folks in the YouTube chat. Good seeing you guys coming out. And uh, I guess, uh, like, like I said, I may be putting together a multi-episode YouTube video about Kama AI and a cross-country road trip. Very cool, very cool. Um, the only, I'm just going to bring up one more thing, Rich. You remember I had the pocket chip computer. Yes. No way could a pocket chip fit in your pocket unless you were Andre the Giant wearing like jeans, okay? The <laughs> pocket chip was the board itself. Uh, the handheld computer was more of like um, uh, a big Game Boy size is the way that I'll put it. Line 179 in the notes. This to me was of a similar form factor, but it did look like it had a lot more polish to it and absolutely had more power behind it. Uh, Pocket PC design files released as open source handheld Linux computer. Super quick tangent. Uh, there's also a guy who just won a Hackster uh, Hacker IO like prize because he has a design for an open source Linux modular tablet that could be kind of cool, but it's still in the early stages, so I didn't want to bring it. This though looks a little bit more po polished and ready to be sold on the street, if you will. Um, it is the uh, popcorn computer pocket PC with a 4.9 inch display, which is definitely a little small. I'll say more pocketable, maybe. Uh, Pre-order 199 and up. Um, I will say I do like the form factor of the device. I do like the keyboard look of the device. I question how usable and functional it will be, but I like seeing people stretching the limits, pushing the edge. It's a 4.9, 1920 by 1080. IPS LCD display, a 1.2 gigahertz ARM Cortex-A53 quad-core, not the fastest thing in the world. Two gigs of RAM could be usable. Uh, 32 gig EM EMMC storage plus micro SD card connector, 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth 4.0. I believe both of them could have been stepped up a touch. Uh, 32 amp um milliamp hour battery could last a good while Four USB-C connectors. That's kind of insane, but I'll take it. Uh programmable USB keyboard with a backlight. We know you like backlights, Rich. Indeed. Uh, running uh, uh Debian 10 for an extra 50 bucks. You can also get a low row radio. Now, how much do you know about low row? Uh, I know you could go long distance, right? Exactly. All it means low row is basically it's a band between like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi because technically I didn't know this. Well, you need, you're the one who told me this. Bluetooth mm -hmm. runs in the on the exact same spectrum as your normal Wi-Fi. Correct. Loro runs at a lower spectrum, which means it cannot transmit as much data as either one of them, but it's much more long distance. Loro is great for hypothetically you want to sit 
blocks away from your house and trigger your sprinkler system to run, but you don't need it to run right now. You just need it to run. So again, I like people pushing things. I like people developing, um, I'll just say unusual and different form factors of open source computers for $199. I don't know if this is going to compete and be popular, but I like the fact that somebody's doing it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely cool. I don't have a use case for it. I like the look. Um, and the, the, when I finally realized or found out, not that I didn't know these things, but I didn't put them together and rationalize them. Um, I was using Pi Zeros as Bluetooth presence detection and it totally horked up my 2.4 gigahertz. And because in my house I have steel studs, uh, and I can only use 2.4 gigahertz, not 5. Uh, my Wi-Fi was totally hosed. Uh, so I could not, you know, basically be sniffing all the time with Bluetooth. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, one more thing I want to throw out there, because I actually thought I already mentioned it, and I already had it highlighted in the notes, so now I'm moving it to the bottom of the notes, I'm going to mention it, because it's right here in the side panel of the same story. And this is the GMK Nutbox Review 2.4-inch mini PC with Intel Celeron J4125. That's the last generation um, Intel um, Celeron processor. But here's the gimmick with this one. Oh, no, they... They swerved me. I clicked the wrong link. This is the one. Yeah, the one GX. Sorry. I'm going to take this and copy it and put it in the notes and put it over there. Just make sure it's there. One GX1 mini laptop review with detachable gamepad controllers. It essentially is like a flip screen Nintendo Switch is the only way I can put this. Um, This is the kind of form factor that I am infatuated with even though in reality it's probably hard as hell to do anything on this computer. But I'm sure of this. You open this computer up anywhere in the world and somewhere a nerd's going to go, Ooh, what you got there? Um, from geek buying, it can be anywhere from 840 to $930. <laughs> Thank you for this computer, which is why I need some aloe. When I saw it, I thought, oh, fantastic. This is literally running a low-power Intel Core i5 processor, a full 7-inch display, 16 gigs of RAM, 512 gigabyte of internal storage, plus support for 4G LTE. You can buy just the flip-top laptop on its own, or you can buy it with the peripheral gamepads connected. Um I love the idea of portable computing and portable real gaming. I'm not talking Android gaming. I'm not talking emulating NES, but actual real gaming on the fly. If you need true portable gaming on the fly, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult to beat what this thing can offer. That is very cool looking, but price-wise, that's uh, I, I'm saying no, hard pass. So let me find where in the notes I actually had that one. Because I knew I had it. I swore I had it. I thought I had it. So, Dorf, I told you I just finished printing something. Would you guess what it is? A lower end. <laughs> Indeed it is. Gee, that wasn't hard to do. Uh, I guess, when have I not printed a firearm? Um, easy answer, before you had a 3D printer. Um, last thing <laughs> I 3D printed that I thought turned out decent was a Montana mask is, is what it's called. Um, 
the gimmick I found out with the Montana mask is after you print it, you submerge it in near boiling water for just a second, pull it out, wait just a second, and then you can easily mold it and form it so it fits better. Because I put in my mask when I have to go around people I don't trust, Murph 13 uh, fabric, which is essentially like saying an M98 mask, or even, you know, people who are really infected, I ain't got to worry about them. Oh, very cool. We know having a kid with an autoimmune disease makes me a little bit more, you know, paranoid. I think might be the right word. Yeah. And I'm okay with being paranoid. I could be worse. I got to be careful about that because I I do make fun of people that wear masks in situations where I don't think they're useful. Uh, Somebody came over my house today. I was giving away dragon fruit cuttings. And uh, he, he like gets out of his car, puts his mask on. I'm like, really, dude? You know, he stayed away from me also. Uh, but I just thought that was amusing. There's a broad spectrum of paranoia and beliefs. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. Mm -hmm. We're all just unique. And just because we're unique doesn't mean we're special. But my mama told me I was special. (laughs) Okay. Um, I will say if you guys out there know of any small form factor computers that you would like us to review, they're becoming so numerous that you're gonna have to tell us that you want us to review them because otherwise we don't have a reason to review them i have no problem in spending a little uh money on mini computers reviewing them and then when i'm done reviewing them giving them away to the listeners and i will say there's been at least three or four mini computers that have came out in the last three or four months that i really do feel could be excellent home theater computers or excellent game emulation computers or excellent mini like powerhouse processing computers out there. I don't know about you, Rich, but I've seen a couple of things out there that I think are pretty cool. Oh yeah. There, there's definitely neat stuff. I, I'm kind of unhappy that there's an N2 plus out there now and I already have an N2, uh, but it's not that big of a jump that I think I'm going to throw money at it. Yeah. It, it, um, it's a small rev in the processor where they basically just bumped up the governing on the processor. And I think that was basically it. Which is fine. If you didn't have one, maybe this would push you over the edge to buy one. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I will say um, I'm having as much fun as ever with mini computers. I'm going to now next try to install um, basically headless type software on my Pine phone and access it from my Pinebook Pro. Um, So because I'm finding, to be honest, the keyboard trackpad combination of the Pinebook Pro to be almost something I can sit with on a couch and be actual productive with. I also have stuff like a VS Codium running on the Pinebook Pro. I want to say it might be like six or seven versions old, but I was able to get it running. So now I can actually be productive to some sort of um, manipulation with code like Python and just flat text. Um, it makes it much easier when you have a good interface. Dumb question, Rich. What's your text editor of choice, regardless of platform? Be, you already said Sublime, so I'm yep. gonna guess that's your main go-to. So uh, I'll give you two. Um, on a head-headed system, Sublime Text, or if I'm SSHing somewhere, uh, Nano. Nano just works. Um, I will say I looked oh, at Nano Sub- or Pico. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I did download Sublime and I did play with it and I saw its potency is the way that I'll put it. I didn't take the time to actually go into it is what I'll say. Um, so it's the kind of tool 
I know it's cross-platform. I know it's goodness, and I know it's supported. Uh, Sublime support seems to be among the best text editors out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I definitely enjoy it. I use it for I use it for general note keeping. Period. Because I hate things. I don't need formatting in my notes. I just want damn text. Right. ASCII characters. Right. I want ASCII damn characters, and I want to be able to read them. I want to open them. I don't want to wait 15 minutes to load an app that'll read it. I just want to be able to click. Also, there's a lot of the features. Basically, it auto saves. So yeah. if your computer reboot shuts down for whatever reason and you didn't save the document at all, it will be there. So that's another good feature. Yeah, that's why I still use Notepad++ on Windows because I can have 30 tabs open, save none of them, close it, reopen it, and they're all still there. Okay, yeah, that's another good honorable mention, uh, Notepad++, uh, if you're stuck in the Windows world. And I will say um, they've gotten better about recognizing the reasons enterprises did not like them. Um, so now they're banned in China. So they're doing something right. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was it? I, I forgot why that was. Uh, has to do something with the open nature and the fact that they were, um, I don't want to say feeding information back, but they had an opt-in to where you could uh, supply information back to the developers to help them make a better product. It's not like they had, like, free Taiwan in the source code somewhere. Oh, that was one of the things, yes, in the release notes. Because every time you upgrade the versions, it would pop up with the uh, change log release notes. And one of them did say free Taiwan. Okay, yeah, I thought I remembered Yeah, 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 that's right. All right, well, this is already going on too long, Rich. What is the simplest, easiest way for anybody to catch up with you and seeing what things that you're uh, doing? Well, if you just stop it at the Hughes Compound Southern Command, or also known as Fraz, uh, but flyingrich.com, if you can't be here, is a good way. Uh, let's see, what else, what else? Instagram, I'm fairly active on. Uh, that's flyingrich underscore official, and of course, youtube.com slash flyingrich. Very cool, very cool. Um, Self-promotion time, I will say, I'm now up to almost 142 episodes of The Revolving Door. That's where I go over every thing i'm subscribed to everything i'm listening to everything i digest everything i consume now the caveat is if you don't understand this i don't know how better to put this but i subscribe to everything from ancient aliens to the cosmos with carl sagan uh, because i like hearing everybody's perspectives everybody's opinions so if you listen to that show, you're going to hear some pretty polarizing things that I listen to on both sides of the aisle, whether it be Ancient Aliens or Carl Sagan Cosmos. Um, but I have fun listening to what I listen to. Um, I take no single source as a mountain of information. I take every single source as a grain of sand in a hill of knowledge kind of thing. Um if you're interested to what I partake in, I th definitely encourage you to check that out. If you have anything that you think I should listen to, to open my eyes up on anybody's perspective or belief or feelings, don't hesitate to shoot me a mail at, uh, I want to say it was door at gmail.com. I don't know. It's in the show. Uh, thank everyone for downloading. Thank everyone for their support. Thank every Patreon who keeps this completely free of ads completely free of bad promotion and if you take a look at the latest ddg episode one of the notes in the show is a actual 31 year study with 900,000 people that proved 
ads make people unhappy. So keep listening to Pod Nuts. You don't have to worry about ads. So I love everyone. Thanks for the support. I'll talk to you again soon, real rich. I got to thank Red, John, Chatter, Charles, uh, everybody for coming out to the live chat. If you want to join us with a live chat, it's very easy. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Discord. We try to post there when we go live. And then you too can talk about big talk and little machines. Take it easy, everybody. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast, on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology-related. You can find us on iTunes, and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen, and let us know what you think.